Hi, I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's Luke Morris and... I sound more excited to be here than you. Come on, let's go, Campbell. Get excited. Let's go. And together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink it, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hello, Luke. Welcome. Welcome to the (laughs) listening audience and welcome to episode 17 season two and have we got an episode for you we've got a couple of topics to throw out there this afternoon evening wherever we are whatever time it is the first topic is orange wines aka skin contact white wines for beginners and we have a listener question from rod in sunbury second time listener third time questionnaire he writes why do we drink more red in winter it's a great question, Rod. We'll get on to that. But first, as in every week, and this week is no exception, Luke Morris, what has been happening in your wine world this week, pal? What have I been up to? I've been thinking about uh, if we made a wine. What was it? What about, uh, the, the, um, inexplicable, inexplicable happiness. happiness. I've been thinking about how, how to go about doing that. But maybe something, that, maybe something to, to talk about is also gift giving of wine i think we've talked about that before but it has become an issue this last week because some friends want to give another friend a bottle of wine and they're like oh we've got to spend a lot of money on you know we'll get a hundred dollars together oh, we'll get 150 dollars together and i'm like guys you don't need to like just the more you settle spend, down there yeah you don't have to like and it reminded me once of somebody coming into a shop and worked in and it was like i want to buy my friend a special bottle it's like okay what are they like I've got a hundred dollars to spend on the best Sauvignon Blanc you've got. I was like, oh, <laughs> well, here's a, here's the best one we've got. It's the most expensive. It's twenty five dollars. <laughs> Spending the five, more five money you can spend. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did we did cover off that gift buying back in um it was earlier on in this season actually about episode seven I think when yeah. we discussed qualifications and we discussed um. The we discussed the culture, the alcohol culture, and gift buying back in that. Um, oh, then I don't know why I bring it up. Why, do we, why should we talk? I, I just it's just that thing of um, having to spend more for some reason to get a special bottle, and I just you know I think most people enjoy like more than one thing, and even then it's not that important to spend a lot on wine. I think during that episode, you pointed out a really great observation and you, I think did you I? said, and correct me if I'm wrong, you did. I was listening. I wasn't. You said, go to the furthest, deepest, darkest corner of, and correct me if I'm wrong, furthest, darkest, deepest, darkest corner of the wine store, wine shop, independent wine retailer, and look for something different because the person who's buying the wine has bought that wine and put it on the shelf. Uh, in the wine shop. The, yeah. In the wine shop because it was... There's a story and there's a purpose, and it might look on the shelf like the odd one out, but it's going to be one of the most more interesting gifts to buy. And I, I've taken no, that to see, heart. I've used that the, since. Oh, cool! Did, and did you find mm. something good? I did. I found um, yes. I, I ended up buying. Uh, it was a Saparavi, actually. Um, oh. Yes, which is an ancient Georgian variety, and this person had bought it, and it was a Saparavi that was grown in South Australia. Yeah. And there was a story, I, I, you know, I, like a 
true believer. I totted up to the counter and said, oh, I'll have this, thanks, champ. And uh, and he said, <laughs> did he just said, champ don't me. call me champ. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, you just champ me. And I said, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I'm going to take this bottle of Saparabi. And he proceeded to tell me the story and the history of, you know, how it came through the nurseries in the Riverina and Saparabi was grown by this particular grower and made by this particular. And it was absolutely a fascinating story. I didn't, unfortunately, get to drink the wine because I gave it away as a gift. But uh, yeah. I certainly went with that with your methodology on gift buying, and it really worked a treat. Yeah, but see, the thing with that is that, that that was the way you did it. But I know that what's going to happen here is they're going to buy either the the most the wine that's got the the most famous label, or mm-hmm. the thing that's the mm-hmm. most expensive. It, it it is interesting because people just have well different tastes and i think yeah if you're buying something commercial uh, uh you know well that's the other thing as you say people the, enjoy it once and yeah the guy i know who we're buying the gift for great guy and i've got no problems with this he, he i i he often buys like ten dollar fifteen dollar bottles and he does appreciate the good ones so like he can he do, like he doesn't want to drink crap that's sort of what his budget is so he notices when he gets a good one and he he's, he's, he really enjoys it. And I just don't know if, you know, you know, if you jump from a $10 bottle to a, you know, do, have we talked about that sort of thing? No, but that would be a really worthwhile from, topic. Yeah. You Can know, what, you what, what's your sweet spot and why is it your sweet spot? Yeah. Do you enjoy a $150 bottle if you're buying it or do you enjoy it better if somebody else is buying it? Or do you just, <laughs> well, or do you just think... Buys it's always better, isn't it? <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> uh, I always tell our members and uh, customers, you know, somebody else is buying Burgundy, just enjoy it then <laughs> because it's too expensive otherwise. No, oh, but yeah. We, we had a thing at work this week where the, the buyer said people who are buying Burgundy aren't buying it for good value because it's not it's no that's right they're buying it because yeah they've got more 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 sense than common yeah i mean (laughs) no one was decrying people who buy burgundy or drink it it's just that it's not the most you know value savvy wine on the planet hi this is luke morris from luke's talk wine i've written some books so visit lukemorrisha.com.au Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Hey, but you know what is good value and is a topic we haven't touched on, on Are you going to segue before? into orange wine from that? <laughs> orange wine is not good value, my friends. It's not gonna, that's, not, that's not a seggy. Hey, are you dissing something that is a technique that has been around for 8,000 years? Are you saying that this kind of, you know, almost birthplace of modern winemaking isn't and can't be good value? Are you you telling me that we didn't spend a few thousand years trying to clean up that muck and get to some (laughs) good, pristine... Lovely fruit characters and, and clarity. And, and then once we finally got there, someone went, oh, what if we start stuffing it up again? What are you, are you saying that the Romans didn't get it right all those years ago? I'm, I'm saying that uh, they, they started off with eggplant parmesan and then they moved on. 
you know, things improve with time. That's the goal of humanity. You know, they used to throw rocks at the sun and now we can spear metal at it. We've, 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 I should have said moon there. That would have made <laughs> more sense. Yeah. You used to spear, we'll, we'll, spear we'll edit that metal at the sun. Just to, just to, <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Here. All right, you guys, you're flying off into space. We're aiming you directly at the sun. We're going to go for the first sun landing. <laughs> all things skins my friend all thing orange wines orange wines skin contact wines the only what good orange wines listeners... come out of new south wales keep going Look out. what do what do the listeners for those of us what do the listeners need to know about orange wines luke morris lay it on me ah, as far as i know they're best avoided um they <laughs> You can't tar it all with the same brush. Not that I don't disagree with you, but you can't tar it all with the same brush. Oh, I don't know. I just don't. I, I you know, there's a there's a song by oh, what's the Mouldy Peaches, where is there's a line I've never met a Kevin that I didn't like. I think that's the right lyric, but sort of the <laughs> opposite is applies to orange wine for me. Like I've never met an orange like that sort of tainted wine that I like. It's just sort of I always wish it just had it was less offensive. But you've you've drunk plenty of red wine that have been left on skins. You were just talking about um Pondalawi's Cabernet Malbec there a few weeks ago on uh, maybe episode fifteen or sixteen you were talking about wines you enjoyed. Wine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, that's had skin that's had time on skins. Uh, you're to, so you want me to define what orange wine is? So it's, well, that's, that's, we can define so it. We, 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 got, define we, got, we should start with that, shouldn't we, for the listener? We should. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do that? Because I think you know more. Sure. And that stuff than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether you call it orange wine or skin contact or amber, it's all the same type of wine, right? So if you're just becoming familiar with orange wine, you kind of know need to know a few things first. You need to dig a little bit deeper. Um, orange wine, contrary to popular belief, isn't made from oranges, nor does it actually come from orange, the highest wine-growing region in the Southern Hemisphere. Orange and skin contact wine have nothing to do with the region or the fruit, except, uh, well, actually, no, nothing to do with it, really. Traditionally, it's just, it's, skin... It's named that after the colour, that's all, isn't it? It is, exactly. It's named after that because skin contact wine is essentially a white wine that's turned orange because of the grape juice has been allowed to settle or stay in touch with the grape skins. Macerate. They've, they've macerated together for as little as, you know, for, from between 12 hours to a few days to as much as a year. However, you know, there's no rules, right? So, But it is actually one of the oldest types of wine in the world, like, and we joke about 8,000, 10,000 years ago, literally the Georgians, the, the Georgians, the birthplace of modern wine is where these kind of skin contact wines came from. And the Romans carried it on. And, and Luke Morris is right. We kind of have moved on. But that see, notwithstanding. See, see, see to, be, to be fair, probably I should reframe what I'm re, reframe, not refrain, but reframe what I'm saying in terms of there are some good skin t- contact whites, but only in that sort of 
when you're saying that 12 hour, I mean, is this extracting a bit of phenolic? Was this some sort of palate weight? Just something not where they've tried to leave it on there for as long as possible as though it's Pinot Noir. They're trying, they're trying to really, um, what are they trying why, to do? Why? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. What they're good. trying to do is they're, they're trying to um, pull out some phenols, like they're put, trying to pull out the white tenons. They're trying to build texture. They're trying to add in flavour. So we can kind of, you can ex when you're tasting an orange wine, you can expect this explosion of taste. When it comes to kind of natural wines, you, you, these wines generally have, you know, low histamines as well and, and low antithiacin. So they're not wines for ageing. They're not wines for cellaring. You, you can explore them because they have they have this unique colour. Their colours vary from light yellow into deep kind of almost amber. And, you know, the, 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 the colour of the skin contact wines, they kind of drag out the phenols and the carotenoids, you know, like the, the orange characteristics that you might find in a carrot. They're, they're very similar to phenols and they add colour and that, that this kind of amber colour is... It doesn't really sound like something... You, like, if, if you were saying, yeah, it's more like a carrot, I was like, that's not a wine... Well, the carotenoids. The carotenoids are one of the things, like phenolics, that come out of the skins, and people want to know where the orange comes from. It, it, that, that carotenoid um, it's very, is... This, this wine's very carroty. Mmm. <laughs> Well, they are very different wines, Ed. and I, I think <laughs> I think people it's it's here to stay, isn't it? Like it's a section of the market that's here to stay, you know. And it's a bit, little bit like Collingwood for us Victorians. You either love it or you hate it. Um, you I'm know, they're... disappointed because every time I go and get so like if if you go and run these stores and they've got that stuff, like uh, specifically it's the Semion that I, I mentioned in our group chat it was like it's mm. they, uh, I, I, I want to be wrong but i think the guy said it was three months on skins Ooh. to get this deep blush and it was just it's not what i wanted in semion like i don't know what like it, it'd be okay if it was like he said here's some ribena juice of fermented it's like no here's some Semyon that I've played around with. I left. I forgot. I, 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 <laughs> the crate came in and I didn't actually crush it in time. You know, it's just... Uh, every every time it's sort of like, oh, why, why have they done this to this nice Chardonnay fruit? Why have they done this to this... Do you think they're... Are they... Are they are they chasing kind of deeper flavours or more intense floral notes, or why are they macerating these things longer, Luke? Like, what what are they? What do you reckon? What are they chasing? What are winemakers chasing? I think. Tech. I, I guess they're just trying to chase a completely different style, and maybe that's my problem. I keep looking at this stuff in terms of, in terms that it's a wine, and it's. It's it's less like wine making and, and wines that I know. Like I said, you know, you, you order a semion and it comes out as though it's um, dirt water or something, and you think, ah, oh, that's not really what I was hoping for. 
maybe the problem is I'm I've got to reframe these things as they're not like they're fruit wines. They're you know you know how you can make wine out of guava or wine out of cherries or cherries. Yeah. And it's and it's it's not it's not classic it's not classic wine, it's it's something completely different. Even though you say it is classic wine because it's been around thousands of years. Yeah, I I mean I, I think there's a lot of ambiguity that surrounds it, right? But if people understand the style, it has been around for years. But going back, you know, they 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 are extremely textural. They're usually made from the aromatic varieties, Semillon, uh, Riesling, these kind of things. Um, they are often uh, blended and they have this kind of long skin macerated. They can be quite full, even roughly textures. I mean... There's whole there's a whole movement now, sur- you know, surrounding this type of thing. Minimal intervention wine, skin contact though is 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 a technique above all. Obviously, it happens in reds, it happens in rosés. It doesn't traditionally happen a lot in whites, and, and so this is this is kind of what they're going. Can I challenge what you? Going towards. Can I challenge you? Please challenge your wines. Yeah. Do you think there's any grounds for saying that some of the marketing, some of the some of the some of the purpose on this is that image of minimal intervention. So we've discussed the use of chemicals on, in winemaking before. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's blown way out of proportion to what people think. But the more you, 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 not, you not only do you do use less chemicals or none, you also actively try and make it look like it's uh, as unrefined and un, you know, under made, <laughs> under interventioned <laughs> as possible, which is what you get if if you get a really cloudy uh, skin contact and white, you might think, oh, well, this is this is as pure as it, it can get, and therefore people, you know, you, people think, well, therefore it's pure, therefore it's healthy, therefore it's better for me to drink than that pristine. Gewurz tremor. I want to drink this Gewurz tremor that smells like cat's balls. <laughs> you know, because um, that's healthier. Do you think? Do you think there's any like is because why are people drinking it? That's my question. If it doesn't taste good, well, maybe people do think it tastes good, but like, yeah. I think people. It, it's like organic food. People are drinking it because of the. They're thinking that it's got because there's no addition of yeast or no addition, or you know, apparently no addition of further preservatives. People are thinking, oh, well, this is a healthy alternative, you know. But you know, some people would argue, like yourself, for instance, that the guts have been taken out of the wine because it's been macerated on skins and you know, turned into what did you so eloquently put it, cat's balls. Yeah. Um, you know, so I it's use, a, I use really good wine terms, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you can use because because the, the 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 way of making it, you know, the skins, the pips, the the stems, the you know, the, they're all in, they're all in. Whether it's been aged in a a quervy like they do in ancient Georgia, or whether it's been aged in a barrel or wherever, you know, a, a big tank doesn't matter, lined with beeswax paper, it still ends up. They all end up coming out having a similar flavour. It's for me, it's a little bit like that. You know, back in our day, it was people, everyone rushed out, 
as we were growing up to to get a tattoo in their quest to be individual well then <laughs> three parts of society end up with tattoos and you end up looking like each other like it's a little bit like that with natural wine i, I think in the chase to be something d- different all the orange wines seem to look similar now it's um and i might be simplifying oh, that they've got um, funky labels yeah, I suppose they do that's, have funky labels. That's the other thing. They all look similar because they've got funky labels. You can tell which are the natural wines because they've got... Yeah, I mean, you're of, the, you're of the opinion you haven't had a natural wine that's good. Oh, I've had a few of them. Yeah, I was um, going to ask, do, do you like hmm. them? Because I've been pretty much against them just because they just keep disappointing me. But what do you think? Yes, no, I, I, I've had a couple of good ones. I've More than a couple. Like, But I'm approaching them thinking, right, I'm going to get a fruitful, simple slash textural wine here, I'm not thinking, great, this is going to be a quintessential Chardonnay with a sense of place from southern Tasmania or, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, I'm approaching it as a drink rather than a wine. Yeah. Um, I hope that doesn't offend any listening winemakers, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't say be you're fooled. not approaching it as if a sense of place. That's because it's so murky you can't identify Taiwan? No, I'm serious. Kind of. yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, like it's, it, I find it personally hard, a lot harder to identify skin contact wines. Um, yeah, maybe that's because of lack of experience with them, but you can't be fooled into thinking skin contact wines is, is light or it has a sense of place because they're all very, very different. I, I haven't come across them like the, the best way to drink orange wine is kind of at cellar temperature which is warmer than what we would normally drink a wine and, and these wines can become a little bit kind of um funky for want of a better term and that would put a lot of people off is this um, why but, i was sitting in at the at this uh natural wine well, it wasn't natural wine only but they were serving this natural wine and i looked around on the walls and saw all these funky labels and curiously, I noticed a lot of wines that seemed like they were table wines, but they had crown seal caps. And is that because of the Ruffers Guts winemaking process, they've still potentially got active secondary ferments just sitting in there? And so they, you know, they need to protect that somehow. Oh, well, yes, you, you, absolutely. I mean, you can't. It'd be remiss of us to tar everything with the same brush. Like orange oh, wine no, is not everything, diverse. But yeah, like, a few yeah, of but, them. But, yeah, a few of them are going through secondary fermentation, absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's a trend that's catching on uh, really quickly with consumers. Um, and, you know, it's probably, it's. I don't think, I think it's more than a craze. Like, you know, there's whole wine bars across the boroughs of New York devoted to natural wines and amber wines, oh, like, and selling nothing less. There, there was a place here in Sydney. Oh, uh, there's money. In inexplicable happiness. Is natural. <laughs> From now on. Cat's balls. <laughs> Vermentino. <laughs> is uh, going to be coming to your uh, door as soon as we can uh, find a drunk contractor to make it. And that's our take on orange wine, ladies and gentlemen. So you'll, be rushing, <laughs> you'll be rushing out to uh, get some orange wine to pair with your lamb uh sometime soon. Tell us what you think. 
Because you can. The list is, is that, dangerous, is that, what they think. Is, is that what you, so this, does all natural wine go? Because not all of it, but lamb tozine, is that what you were saying? Because they're both sort of orangey in colour? What's the. Probably. Well, <laughs> lamb tozine, you're going to need something and fairly carrot. kind of. Um, <laughs> you're going to need something. You're going to need something. In all, in all honesty, it's going to. You're going to find something that's going to be wholesome to pair with these wines. Like, whether it be a salad of smoked fish or I think you're going to have to put a bit more effort into it. I just said lamb tagine because lamb tagine's got a lot of flavour and a lot of spice and is usually fairly flavour forward as is a natural wine. So sure, do it with a lamb tagine, but maybe do it with a, a mature cheddar as well or, you know, a garlic mm. chicken Kiev. You're going to need something with that's power packed full of flavour to go with a orange slash amber wine. It's no good sitting down with, you know, a, something plain that's for sure interesting no you could sit down with something plain it's just because you don't really want to pay attention to the wine all right i understand where you're coming from excellent <laughs> um and if people don't understand or they want to debate the, the cause they can do so by getting in touch here on luke talks wine how do they get in touch luke morris well, they get in touch by uh, just uh, tapping a friend on the shoulder and they can whisper in their ear and then uh, they continue to just you know, pass that message on one by one until eventually it will come to you and I and uh, we'll then talk about orange wine again because we'll probably get garbled and we'll uh, not understand what the original question was. Or you can not play that game of um, telephone and you can go directly to email and do uh, Luke's talkwine at gmail.com. Excellent. Now, listen to question of the week is from Rod in Sundry. Rod writes, why do we drink more red wine in winter? Thanks, Rod. This is a curious, this is a bit of a curio of a question, actually. It's right in your wheelhouse because I know for a fact you drink way more red in wintertime, Luke Morris. Do you? Um, How's that? I, I had a, a green of outline two days ago. So what's the... Uh, what, really? How do you know that I drink way more red in winter? Well, because as the years and episodes and moments go on here at Luke's Talk Wine, as the temperature goes down, your consumption of red seems to go up. Does it? Okay. Hmm. Um, well, it does naturally for lots of people. I do host a, uh, a red and roast night every year, so mm-hmm. that, that might that might have something to do in, during winter. Uh, get a roast out and a couple of bottles of aged red, and it's always good fun. Um, I think, like a lot of people, there's more comfort food in winter, which is uh, usually you know stews and. Um, hearty, meaty kind of dishes, um, and red wine tends to go with that a lot better than white wines in general. Um, I was talking to this with a customer, and we, we, we almost hit upon one idea of saying, well, red wine is generally more, has a higher alcohol level, and therefore might warm you up a little bit more yep. during winter. Um, and also you don't serve it chilled like you might a white wine, which is what you're trying to avoid 
during winter, cold stuff. But lots of people still drink beer. What about you? Do you, do you drink more reds or in winter? Or oh, you just I'm, def I'm, de no, I'm definitely. No, I'm definitely. No, I'm not always on Riesling. But I, no, overall, if I looked at my consumption throughout the year, it would be probably eighty percent red. Or even in summer, you know, I ch drink chilled reds. Like, yeah. Um. You know, in between Rieslings and Semions, I drink a chilled red, no problems there. But I, I think the consumption of red goes up during the winter for, for reasons you say as well. Like, but also, you know, the alcohol makes your body warm. You're generally doing a little bit of cooking or whatever, so you want something to go in there and you want something for the chef. And so <laughs> I think, you know, if it's cold and it's dark, you're looking for something to warm you up. So you, you, you gravitate towards those wines that are heavier in alcohol. You know, you, you move away. I often those get a bigger phrase, you know, Do you get into bigger Shiraz's? Shiraz, is that when you start getting on and your Brossa Shiraz love starts to form? Yep. It comes out, comes out of the closet. People say, oh, I put the Pinot away. And they get into the Cabernets and the Shirazes and yep. Zinfandels and the yep. like. Where do you get a good Zinfandel uh, in Australia? McLaren Vale. Oh, yeah. I was going to say an import agency, but yeah, maybe oh, yeah. McLaren Vale. Red, but red wine really is the perfect remedy for an icy winter's night. Um, you know, I, I think it, apart from creating that thermogenic effect and warming the body there's probably some scientific reasons have you got any uh information that i need to know about there no no i think um I, there was that temperature potential but i think yeah i think it's just the comfort food but also the the hand temperatures i mean i can give you a scientific fact on um if you hand somebody a cup of coffee or something warm in their hand their likelihood of considering you a friendly person is higher than if you hand them another drink, but if it's cool. So the temperature of the drink and the warmness with the skin contact is what influences your perception of whether or not this is a happy or sad, you know, neutral moment, let's say happy or neutral. And, um, that might be something with red wine because we generally try and get that up to a room warmer temperature, whereas mm -hmm. white wine is something to cool down with often. Mm. Mm. There's, a there's a psychological consideration for you. That is a good one, actually. I like it. I like it yeah. a lot. What What do you – what's your warm-up drink of – choice obviously it's not a skin contact amber wine but um <laughs> what would you would you reach you know I, would it be cabernet or shiraz or nebbiolo wouldn't be nebbiolo nah if i really want to warm up it's probably a cup of apple and cinnamon tea to be honest Ooh. with you yeah that, that, that sort of chamomile because i don't drink caffeine so um i want to say herbal tea because it's nice mm. and warm. In fact, I might go get one now. This is that's, that's a really good idea. Thanks, Campbell. This has been useful. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's. I thought you were going to say a uh, a lovely glass of port. I know you're uh, oh, port, 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 port,
Mm. No. Yeah. It's weird because I still like. Uh, I I think port port is one of those things that maybe will maybe we'll bring it back. Have we talked about potentially bringing back port? It's gone the way of the dodo. It really should come back, but it still feels like it feels like a weird thing to have a a night cup of port or a, just have a bottle sitting on the counter. It makes it look like an alco. Yeah, <laughs> you look like an alco if you have a glass of port a night. It's best just to drink a whole bottle and then hide that in a bin. You don't want that. And drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Well, I think apart from it being, you know, wine, red wine being hearty in the winter, it is comforting and it is actually much more therapeutic than white wine. Like if I'm in in a snow-covered village, you know, with my feet up on the fire, I'm not looking for a glass of reason. If you talk about mulled wine, I'm going to stab you. (laughs) I'm not talking about mulled wine, but I am... Talking about the big rich hug of a Barros and Shiraz or a, you know, Nebbiolo from the Lungay or a Sangiovese from Chianti or even a Cabernet from the spiritual homeland of red wine, now fair country, the Coonawarra. Uh, I thought you were going to say Bordeaux and I was going to take Umbridge with you because Bordeaux, I, don't, I can't imagine any Bordeaux I've had that would warm me up. It's such a very medium-bodied wine. What? Yeah. Luke Morris, that is bollocks. I can't think it's of one. Re- Actually, I think I, had a, of, I think I had a shadow mark go once. Retract that was quite Retract rich. that statement. Retract that statement. That's it. It's, that's not a like, it's not as warm as, say, a shadow left to pup, which is meaty and heavy. and or, or I had a Saint Joseph um, on Friday night. Ooh. That was quite good. Saint Joseph from the Northern Rhone, so straight Shiraz can have yeah. a little bit of Viognier in it at a stretch, but generally straight Syrah, Shiraz, Syrah. Yeah, that would be quite yeah, but, warming and therapeutic. Yeah, I didn't think it was as warming as say, you know, your um, your your Barossa Shirazes for some reason. Oh, you're it's talking bollocks. A... Anyway, I'm not arguing with you about it today because uh, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning not to bite. <laughs> no, argue with me. That's more fun. <laughs> well, Rod, in summary, I really hope you've uh, answered that question. Why do we drink more red in winter? One, it's therapeutic. Two, because the alcohol warms you up. And three, because it tastes damn good. Yes, yeah, hard. No, it goes with the food. That's and it goes with the food. Yes, yeah, it goes probably, with the protein. That's probably the big thing. Mm. Yes. And if you have a question, of course, you can write in at lukestalkwine at gmail.com anytime. And when we get to it, we do discuss it and then we, we put them up on the pod. So um, get involved. Stay tuned. Hey, Luke, you've mentioned a few things there. You said you've had a glass of San Joseph on Friday. You said a whole bottle of Grunewald Lena. Uh, and you also said you hid a bottle of port behind a bin recently. So you've actually no, been I drinking. I didn't put the bottle lots. of port behind the bin. No, no, oh. that stays on the counter, but I haven't even opened that. Right, okay. But yeah. uh, I was going to ask you, what have you been drinking? But it sounds like you've been drinking lots. Yeah, surprisingly. I was, you know, before this started, I was thinking, he's going to ask me what I've been drinking. And I was I was just thinking about how I did it. I'm, I'm training for a half marathon and I had a good run on Tuesday. And I was like, I I, and I haven't drunk since then. Actually, a friend of mine... Um, when I when we had that wine on Friday night and I, I stayed in the spare bedroom, I um 
uh, two days later, they said, oh, I've got COVID. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't been drinking since. And I, I haven't, um, just to try and you know, give the body as good a chance to repel any demons as possible. And I feel quite fine. So I don't know, maybe the St. Joseph is the trick. Maybe that's what we need to send around all the uh, schools and um, retirement villages is crates and crates of uh, Sarah from the, is that middle Rhone Valley or is that northern Rhone, Rhone Valley? Yeah, it kind of would be almost middle if there was such a place, but yeah, it's classified northern Rhone, but you're right, it's right in the middle. Yeah, right, that, that, that's what everybody needs to fight off COVID. Is, um, a thimble of St. Joseph. Well, I had more than a thimble, to be honest with you, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you got to wing the kids on something. So, yeah, maybe start with a thimble and then uh, see how they react. We've got to do some scientific testing. We'll get some of them plastered and we'll give some of them a thimble and we'll do a gradient and we'll see which one of them's, you know, fine the next day. I was raised on Shiraz. I turned out all right. Really? You told me the first bottle of wine you had was a Semyon or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but we were always, obviously growing up in the Hunter Valley, there was always Shiraz around open somewhere. So we're all, we're never allowed to, we're never allowed to drink, but we're always allowed to taste. And it was usually Shiraz. Sounds dangerous. Like there was empty vats down the street and you just had to be careful not to fall in. There's always this open box of Shiraz somewhere. Look out. No, no, no. I'm talking about the family, uh, in the family environment, there was always, uh, you know, a bottle of wine to dinner or a glass of wine with, with lunch or, or whatever. We were never allowed to, to drink it, but we were certainly allowed to taste and we <laughs> with Shiraz. So now <laughs> I'm just imagining the whole family. Like, we're going to open up the bottle of Shiraz, but nobody drink it. Just look <laughs> at it and appreciate that you waft it towards your face, but nobody sip. Well, that was always the art, how much you could consume without Dad saying, whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, well, no, I, I remember with my siblings, like if mum and dad went out and, and we had a beer when they went out, but they went down the shops to get you know, pizza or something. You know, put the fish and chip order in, like we'll go down and get some fish and chips. And then we, you know, if, if we had a beer, we knew that if we quickly drank that beer and opened up a whole new beer, they think we'd only had the one beer. So you have to try and skull your beer. Before they got back. Before they got back. (laughs) They'd be like, is that your second beer? No, this is still the first. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Good times. We turned out all right. I don't know. How, what are you drinking this week? Oh, you... look, it's funny you ask, actually. I, I've um, I, recently I did a, I, I took a tour in my day job. I took a tour group to Beechworth, actually. And oh. I was just enamored. I've been drinking Beechworth Pinot Noir. Um, and obviously, it's a, it's, a re, it's a region famed for its Chardonnay and, and Pinot Noir. But I hadn't had a heap of it. And in this particular weekend, I did, and I didn't taste the bad one. Uh, and I came home, you know, with half a small box under my arm, and it's absolutely delicious. I'm actually I'm going to put a, a, a Beechworth pack in the coming days up on my site, um, vinifier.com.au, and you guys will be able to purchase some if you wish. But it's yep. yeah, it's just really taken me back to just classic Australian Pinot Noir 
from the high country, effectively, Beechworth is, you know, between 600 and 900 metres above the sea level, quite close to uh, the Victorian ski field. So it's quite cool, um, you know, granitic-type soils. But this this Pinot, in particular, it was the Indigo Vineyards Pinot Noir, which backs on the Savitaire, just just outstanding, you know, 20, 25 bucks, 22 bucks or something, just retail or just... A, Is that all? Hey, good looking. Yeah, that's it. Bargain loot. 22 bucks for, 25 bucks for Beechworth Pinot. Yep. Somebody's done their sums wrong there. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. Hence, I came home with a small box under my arm. But, um... How does it... How does it yeah. cause, oh, gosh, I remember once um, walking in. No, it wasn't me. It was a friend told me they walked in and they, um... Someone had, I think it was, they put a six-pack out but had calculated it at a dozen price. So the the retail price was half what it should have been. <laughs> Oopsie. Zeke, because you don't normally get Beechworth Pinot for anything under 30, I would have thought. Well, I have uncovered a gem. So yeah. stay tuned. If you yeah, stay that. tuned to our socials, Vinified underscore wine underscore services or um, vinified.com.au in our shop. You'll be able to see it in the coming days. There'll be a, a pack going up. Uh, so stay tuned. Hey, yeah. thanks for listening. I've been Luke Campbell. You've been, who are you again? Uh, I'm um, Baylor Weiss. Luke Morris, where can we find you? If people want to look up and find you over daytime, um, I no, I want, I, want, I want them to put their effort into telling some friends about the podcast. Don't bother looking me up. Share the podcast with somebody. Share the podcast, and if you're listening, write a review. Tell us what you think, because that's how other people, other like-minded listeners, will find our podcast. And whether it's wine or the culture that surrounds drinking, hopefully you and your friends are enjoying it. Hey, thanks very much again. Thanks to the listening audience. Thank you, Luke Morris. We'll be back next week. God willing, will you be here next week? (laughs) Uh, Well, if I keep drinking St. Joseph and don't get COVID, yes. Excellent. Well, in that note, we'll both be back next week. So thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review. I've been Luke Campbell. He's been Luke Morris. And in the words of Tony Barber, Keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, We can host your dinner parties or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew.